Hello and welcome to Encountering God with Tom and Sarah. I am your host, Tom and Sarah, and what we try to do and what our purpose is, is to give you an opportunity to encounter God through our uh, daily, weekly broadcasts that we have, to know that he loves you emphatically and to be strengthened to go on for one more day. So I want to want you to sit back and to enjoy yourself as we go through this time. God bless you. As we start today, I want to go to um, 1 Corinthians 15. Of course, this is being recorded right about Easter time of 2020. And uh, the world is under this cloud, so to speak, of plague that has come through a thing called coronavirus, not knowing you know, all the facts around it, where it came from. I mean, although a lot of people believe it came from China, um, but we don't know that, you know, we don't know, how, you know, what the case of this thing is, how long it's been around or anything like that, but it shut, virtually shut the world down where we are in a position now where, where we are in these stay at home, um, law rules, unless, we, unless we have an emergency or, whatever, and practicing social distancing, all this stuff. And I kind of think of Pharaoh uh, during this time, remember when uh, he had the 10 plagues, but actually we only have one and that we have to deal with. So anyway, having said all that, welcome to uh, Passover and uh, and Resurrection Day 2020. And this is what we're all about. So I want to go to 1 Corinthians 15, the 15th chapter and we're going to talk about some things, um, basically abounding grace, this thing uh, known as uh, this amazing grace of God. We've been talking about, up until here, we have been talking about things that are um, powerful, things that are deep, things that are full uh, of of the inexplicable and not enough adjectives and uh, to be able to say how much abundance there is in God. Uh, he says that he is God in, in Genesis chapter 17. He is the El Shaddai, the God of more than enough, the almighty God of more than enough. Live in his presence and be blameless. And and so this is what, this is kind of the background of where we're going. And this, this grace is abundant. God, we're, we're just running out of of adjectives for this thing, but it's so cool. Okay, so we're going to um, talking about the resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15. Dear friends, I love how Paul says this, dear friends, my beloved friends, beloved, let me give you clearly the heart of the gospel that I've preached to you. Let me give you clearly the heart of the gospel that I've preached to you. So I, Tom and Sarah, on the 13th of April, 2020, I want to say this, dear friends, let me give you clearly the heart of the gospel that I preach to you, okay? The good news that you who hear it wholeheartedly received and on which you stand. For it is through the revelation of the gospel that you are being saved. If you fasten your life firmly to the message I've taught you, unless... You have believed in vain, for I have shared with you what I have received and of what is of most importance. Okay? First of all, Paul says that we, 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 we receive it, that you guys received it heartily and we stand on it. We, nothing lasts except this grace of God by which we stand. 
Okay, nothing is going to last. Just this grace of God on which we stand. Having done everything, therefore, to stand, we stand. Ephesians 6. For I have shared what I have received and what is of the most importance. This is verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 15. The Messiah, first of all, we received the Messiah died for our sins, fulfilling the prophecies of the scriptures. Secondly, verse 4, he was buried in a tomb and was raised from the dead after three days, as foretold in the scriptures. Three, he appeared to Peter the rock and to the 12 apostles. Okay, so he's done those three things, all right? To fulfill the scriptures, the prophecies of the scriptures are fulfilled. Uh, he for, they were foretold in the scriptures and they were, they were fulfilled. He appeared then to Peter and to the 12 apostles. And he also appeared to more than 500 of his followers at the same time, most of whom are still alive as I wrote this. As I write this. Now understand that Paul here, this is about 64 to 70 AD. He's writing this, uh, in 1 Corinthians and 70, somewhere in there. And it's about 35 to 40 years after the death of Jesus. Okay. And, um, uh, so, so Paul, uh, is writing this thing and his big thing, he was a Pharisee. Okay. He wasn't just a Pharisee, but he was a teacher and he was, he was a respected man. And, and he learned under a very respected man named Gamaliel. And, um, and, and the scriptures were so important to him. Remember the Pharisees believed in the whole Old Testament from, from, um, you know, the, 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 the prophet, the, the, sorry, the, the poetic books, he believed the Torah, he believed the history, and he also, they also got the prophet. And that's what he was all about. The Sadducees, on the other hand, they don't believe in the resurrection, they don't believe in angels, and they only believed in the first five books of the Bible. Okay? The Torah. That's all they believed in. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's it. Okay, Paul was schooled in the entire Old Testament. All right, he was knowledgeable of it. He studied it. He taught it, and he was he was taught it as well. Okay, so th- this is it. A few years passed. He's talked about three things: one, the importance of the scriptures being fulfilled, that the Bible doesn't lie, the Bible is true. Okay, and. He's talking to non-Jewish people. He's talking to people who are not of the Jewish persuasion. He's talking to people who are Gentiles of other nations. Okay. The Messiah died fulfilling the prophecies. He was buried in the tomb and raised from the dead after three days, as foretold in the scriptures. And now he appears to everybody. And then he had a church service uh, for many days, appeared to more than 500 of his followers at the same time. And, and Paul didn't just hear this first, uh, second hand, uh, or sorry, Paul may not have been there at that time, but he's hearing this from people who were actually there. Okay. I remember a time when I was born again that, that there was a, a person I had met who was one of our teachers. She was 93 years old when I met her. I was 16. This is in 73. She was 20 years old during the Azusa Street revival. And she, uh, would always, you know, um, she, she, she was there. She would always tell us we have what they carried. I love the fact that we have what they carried. We have it today 
that what they carried. We have the ability to do what William Seymour and those men did and those women did back in the early 1900s. And we carry it today, but on a greater level because we have access to the Holy Spirit that they were just touching, that they had just scraped the iceberg. And we have, we have a few shavings off the iceberg, but there's so much more of the Holy Spirit that we can get. Okay, bam. And then he appeared to, um, then he appeared to James, who was the brother of Jesus. We're going to call him Jacob because they didn't have the name James back then. Um, and all the apostles, last of all, he appeared in front of me like one born prematurely, ripped from the womb. I believe there were 13 apostles, okay? And I'll tell you why. Because we have, um, we have the 12, including Judas. Judas hangs himself. He's replaced by, uh, in, in Acts chapter 1, he's, he's, or Acts chapter 2, I think it was, chapter 1. He was replaced by Matthias. Remember, the lot fell on Matthias. There were two, uh, there was Barsabas and Matthias, and, uh, and the lot fell to Matthias. And he became, he was one that was with them from the beginning. And, uh, and so he, uh, was named as another apostle. So that's 12. He took his place. But Paul came along later and Paul was the, was the actual, uh, heir, say, shall we say, to Judas. And he was supposed to take Judas's place, but he was the next one. He was another one. And that Paul the apostle. Okay. So there are 13 of them. And, and then Paul goes on to say that he's the most insignificant because of what he had done. But God's amazing grace, verse 10, God's amazing grace was, has made me who I am. And his grace to me was not fruitless. In fact, then he says, I worked harder for this. And this is great. Yet not my own strength, but God's strength for his empowering grace is poured out upon me. Now, this grace is not just not getting what we deserve. That's not just what grace is. Grace is more than that. Grace is more than just unmerited favor, undeserved favor. It's more than that. It's empowering to cause you to overcome what you, you struggle with, the power to overcome these things. And then he says, so this is what all I have taught you. And then he says, the message we preach is Christ. Verse 12, the message we preach is Christ who has been raised from the dead. So, how can any of you possibly say there's no resurrection from the dead? Now, understand that there is a story going around that there is no resurrection from the dead. Probably, we don't know this for a fact, but probably some of the Sadducees were going around the Roman Empire saying there's no angels, and which the Romans, they believed in anything. And um, as far as like deities, everything was a deity to them. And um, and they believed in angels. So the Sadducees had very, very poor... Uh, converts in the no angel thing, but the resurrection was the thing. Now, there were 10 recorded resurrections in the Bible, Elijah, Elisha, um, you know, and then, then you had Jesus raising up that little kid and, and you had, uh, uh, Jesus raising up Lazarus. So there's five already. Um, and then you have, um, then you have Peter laying on Dorcas and you have Paul laying on Eutychus and a few others. Okay, so he says, so how could you guys say, so the Sadducees were getting involved with with the Corinthian church, probably. 
For if there is no such thing as a resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. He's showing us, Paul's showing us that the resurrection of Jesus cannot be separated from the resurrection of believers. To remove the, 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 the thought or to remove the understanding, to remove the fact, to remove the truth of Christ's resurrection is to destroy the gospel of hope. The whole purpose is to destroy the gospel of hope. They want to make you religious. They don't want you to believe in a relational God. They don't want you to believe that you're going to get out of it. They're going to, they, they want you to believe that when you're dead, you're dead. That's it. You live your life and you die. That's it. There's no life after death either. Okay, and he says in verse 16, if the dead aren't raised up, that would mean that Christ hasn't been raised up either. And if Christ is not alive, then you are still lost in your sins and your faith is a fantasy. It would also mean that those believers in Christ who have passed away have simply perished. But if the only benefit of our hope in Christ is limited to this life on earth, we deserve to be pitied more than anybody else, more than others. But the truth is, and I love it, Paul just, the truth is this, Christ is risen from the dead as the first fruit, as the first um, harvest of resurrections. Christ is risen from the dead of a great resurrection harvest of those who had died. For since death came through a man, Adam, it is fitting that our resurrection come through a man as well, the Christ or the anointed one. Even as all who are in Adam die, so also all who are in Christ will be made alive. Okay, and he goes on and he goes on. He's talking about the resurrection of the body. You can read 1 Corinthians 15. It's it's. It's kind of important, but it's just there. Adam gave us sin. Adam fell into sin, and we were sinners. We became sinners because of his sin. And because of that, death entered into the world. Okay, because of that, sickness entered into the world. Because of that, virus viruses enter into the world, okay? And, and, and we are sown in decay. But I have to tell you that the last Adam, the last man... Uh, the last man who became new life and transforming us. I love this. The first man, Adam, became a living soul. Yes. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. That's verse 45. Now let's go to verse 40, uh, 54. And when that which is mortal puts on immortality and what now decays is exchanged for what will never decay, then the scripture will be fulfilled saying death is swallowed up by a triumphant victory. I love it. So death, tell me, where is your victory? Tell me, death, where is your sting? It is sin that gives death its sting and the law that gives sin its power. But we thank God for giving us the victory as conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. So now, beloved ones, stand firm, stable, and enduring. Live your lives with an unshakable confidence. It is time that we start living in unshakable confidence instead of going after the things that all of a sudden we're like this all the time. Oh no, I'm going to listen to the news. I'm going to do this. I'm going to listen to so-and-so. I'm going to listen to so-and-so. Listen, the word of God is your unshakable confidence. Nothing else is. Okay. Uh, I'm going to jump over to Romans chapter 7 
And, and I'm also reading out of the Passion. I love the Passion translation. And I can't wait for the whole Bible to come out in the Passion because I will, I will do that totally myself. It's going to be cool. Anyway, it's going to be another couple of years before that's done. But God, death, where is your sting? Come on, man. Well, death, where, see what happened was sin came and death reigned. Now in Romans chapter eight, verse two, which is after what I'm going to read, Paul says this. Paul says the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. That is why we can thank God for giving us victory as conquerors. That is why that we can now stand firm, be stable and enduring. That's why we can live our lives with unshakable confidence because God has made us more than conquerors. You can look in Romans chapter 8 toward the end. He says, in all the things that try to separate us from the love of God, we have been made more than conquerors. We conquer them all. I love it. So let's go to Romans chapter 7. I'm going to start with verse 20. You know, in this whole chapter of 5, 6, and 7, Paul's talking about, I mean, you have to read all three uh, three of those together because it's one statement after another of Paul like listen the things I don't want to do I do the things I want to do I don't do I mean my goodness gracious then he comes to this and he's talking about so if my behavior contradicts my desires to do good I've got to conclude by that he's talking to people around I once was this but I'm not this anymore but he says okay so he's talking to you now. And he says, so if I'm you and my behavior contradicts my desires to do good, I must conclude that it's not my true identity in doing it. You can only conclude that. If you're struggling with the fact that things I don't want to do, I do, and the things I do want to do, I don't do, it means that what you're not, what you're doing that you're not supposed to do is actually not in your character. It's not who you are. Condemnation tells you, you are your contradiction. You are your failure. You are your sin. You are an addict. You are this. You are that. You are a liar. That's who you are. Conviction says, you're better than this. That is not who you are. You're a child of God. You're a bride of Christ. You're a servant of the Most High. You are a friend of God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. So if my behavior contradicts my desires to do good, I have to conclude that it's not my true identity doing it. But this unwelcomed intruder of sin hindering me from being who I really am. It is not me. It is not my identity. It is the identity of this unwelcomed intruder. And what that guy is trying to do is to make me like him. That's not who I am. It's just hindering me from who I want to be, who I really am. What is your destiny? What is it? And, and, and in Lamentations chapter 1, I think it's verse 9, he says that there's, there's uh, unclean, uncleanliness in her skirts because she didn't know her identity. She didn't consider her destiny. Verse 21 of uh, Romans 7, through my experience of this principle, I discovered that even when I want to do good, evil is ready to sabotage me. Truly deep within my true identity, I love to do what pleases God, but I discern another power operating in my humanity, waging a war 
against the moral principles of my conscience and bringing me into captivity as a prisoner of the law of sin. Now, remember, he said that the law of the spirit of life and peace in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. So he is set free once you're a believer. Okay. And then he says, oh, he says, oh, Oh, wretched man that I am. And in, in, in one version, he says this. In the Passion, he says, what an agonizing situation I am in. So who has the power to rescue this miserable man from an unwelcome intruder of sin and death? And he goes again. I give all my thanks to God for his mighty power. For his mighty power has finally provided a way out through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. So if I left to myself, the flesh is aligned with the law of sin. But now my renewed mind is fixed on and submitted to God's righteous principles. If you're left to yourself, you're going to align yourself with the law of sin. But we have Christ who renews our mind, but now my renewed mind is fixed. And you get a renewed mind by setting your gaze, setting your eyes on the Lord Jesus, giving your heart to Jesus, and he starts to renew your mind daily, and you submit to, to God's righteous principles. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. This is the abounding grace. This is the amazing grace of God that Paul is talking about that makes us victory, that makes us victors, that makes us conquerors over these things that try to separate us from the love of God. And so now, my beloved, now, my friends, listen to me when I tell you this. Stand firm and stable, enduring. Live your life today, starting today. If you haven't before, start it today to live your life with unshakable confidence. Okay, that's all we're going to do today. And I, and I just wanted to, to share some of these things because it's burning in my spirit that we get to be unshakable. We get to be whole. We get to be pure. We get to be lovely in him. Because of the resurrection of the dead. Are you struggling today? That's Friday. Are you struggling today? That was Good Friday. Are you struggling in sin? That's Good Friday. Are you losing your battles? That's Good Friday. Just remember, Sunday's coming and he rose from the dead. God bless you guys. Have a great day. We're just remembering that we just love Jesus and we're going after all that he has. God bless you. Have a great day and we'll talk to you tomorrow.